All right, guys, we are back. We're going to find out what kind of crazy stuff I'm getting into now. We're going to find out this very pivotal chapter of my life. We're going to find out who this mole is, this person is, that has been kind of quietly destroying everything I have built. So without further ado, this is part seven. So I'm looking at this person in utter disbelief, and we are sitting in the lobby of KMG, and there are so many lies that have gone around and have hurt everyone and torn apart relationships and been extremely detrimental to us being able to grow as a community and us be able to grow as friends, as business partners in every aspect. My relationship was torn with my engineers, with apprentices, with people who are thinking about working with us, other companies, because of all of these, these things that were being said. And I looked at this person and I said, Ashley, how could you do this to me? Because there were rumors going around that I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her eat. There was rumors where she was saying, he told me he won't work with me until I lose 40 pounds. And because of these rumors and because of the gossip and because of the different things that she was saying, she utterly destroyed almost every relationship with anybody at my company. And it strained my relationship with Ryan, my original engineer, and my managers that I had there, and really clients. I mean, it, it, there was no end to all of the things that were going on. And rightfully so, I was, I was pretty upset with her when I first found out the different things that she was saying. And it was one of my old employees who called me in a fit of rage, realistically, and apparently Ashley had gone off at like one o'clock in the morning the night before after one of our shows about all of these evil things that I did, but they never happened. And he called me getting so mad that I was this person. And I said, well, where, who is telling you these things? I keep hearing that I'm this this person that there's just no way I am, where, where is it coming from? And he said, dude, Ashley hates you. Ashley goes on rants every time you're not in the room and she changes who she is to your face. She hates you and so do your employees. And I was left in just utter bewilderment because I, I couldn't believe what was happening. And so when I started really trying to dig and piece things together and I started asking questions to other employees and clients and different things, and I started, I started to really come to the realization that he was telling the truth. And I remember that first phone call with her and, and that's what I left the last episode with. I, I, I remember saying, you need to come clean with me. And when I saw her face to face and she said, yes, it was me. And we, we, we came together and I saw how hurt she was. I saw how broken she was. I saw how scared she was. And 
for whatever reason, she was still able to melt my heart. And even through all of the tears and the I'm sorry's and the I can't believe I would say that, she she just she literally made me want to stand by her. And when my wife found out that all of this was going on, you can imagine that my wife was pretty upset. And I remember going back to my wife and telling her, you saw something in me at one point and I did a bunch of stupid things and you stood by me. And again, I will reiterate, the people who are willing to stand by your side at your worst will make you your best. And I looked at my wife and I said, maybe, maybe it's a, a, a challenge from God Maybe, maybe it's something to where we're supposed to stand by her side and we're supposed to help develop her because I see something special in her. I really do. And reluctantly, my, my wife said, you know, I agree. I mean, there is something special about her. And so, we, we sit down with her and we're trying to talk through all of this and make sense of every crazy thing that has happened and gone on. And... We make her stand up, and, and this is making, and Ashley's at, uh, what, she's, I think she's 18 at this point, maybe, maybe 19, and we make her stand up in front of all of the employees, tell the truth of the conversations that we've had. I mean, her eating got so bad that my wife and I were actually the only people who would literally make her eat. We would take her to a restaurant and make her eat. We would buy her food and make her eat. We never ever did anything close to the things that were being said. But on that day, something changed in Ashley. She stood up in front of all of those people and through the tears, she said, I don't know why I'm still standing here today because realistically, I don't deserve to know any of you guys. I don't deserve to be in the studio. I don't deserve to be in and around people that are as great as what you are capable of. And I really cherish you bringing me in and I'm sorry for building so much discord. And she apologizes to each and every one in the company. And some of the more potent things that she said and did she had one-on-one sit-downs with those people and set the record straight. Now, that takes a lot of courage, and that is not a normal thing that someone can do and stand up and, and really fight for, for what's right. And she did that, and something changed in her that day, but I always knew that she was capable of greatness. But I remember very, very clearly telling her, Ashley, just so you know, there is no way There is no way that I will ever be able to trust you again. It's not going to happen. Now, if we fast forward, I can attest to the fact that I trust her far more now than I did back then. And she has gone on to be literally one of the most amazing, one of the most amazing people that I've ever met in my life. And I cherish the fact that I know someone as great as her. And I cherish the fact that whether it was the universe, God, my path, fate, circumstance, I don't care what you call it. But the fact that I was put in a position to where someone had to 
give me a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. And I had the wherewithal to see greatness inside of her. And I was able to say, I'm going to take another chance on you. I don't know why, but I'm going to do it. And that was one of the smartest things that I had ever done. And I remember really talking through things. And I got to know Ashley on a different level because I talk about me trying to tell everyone, hey, I'm okay when I'm not okay. And that was one of my problems. I lived in a superficial world. I lived in a world where I had to do the fake it till you make it. It's so prevalent in our culture, but it's not something that is ever going to get you to a real place in life. And for the first time, her mask had been stripped off and I got to know who Ashley really was. And under the surface, she was even more magnificent than I even, than, than I thought that she was in the first place. And so I began to really know her and we're talking about what's going on. We talk about what's going on in her life. And I find out that she comes from a very controlling and manipulative family. It's not that they're bad. They're actually very much like mine. We started kind of realizing, well, we were probably, we were probably uh, related in another life, maybe even this one, who knows? But I mean, she, she's realistically my sister slash best friend slash daughter slash, I mean, she's just, she's such a huge role in my life now. And looking back, it's, it's weird to even kind of think of these things um, as we were coming out and rebuilding. But I remember we had the opportunity to really talk through things. And so she started letting me know what was going on at home. And I realized, wow, she has the best work ethic of probably anybody that I've ever met. I mean, this girl, even today, she'll put in a 12-hour day. But that is after she gets up at four o'clock in the morning and goes to the gym and then does sales training and then shows up at KMG and then stays until her work is done. I mean, she is incredible at who she it has become and is becoming. And that's why I alluded to it in the old episode, um, in the one right before this, and saying what she has overcome and become. Because I could not run this company without her. But back to the story, we're going through this and I realize, wow, she comes from a manipulative background. And we start recognizing that because again, I come from very similar background. My mom, even though I love her dearly, she can get manipulative. She can fly off the handle. My dad does the same kind of stuff. She was coming from the same, same kind of background. And then I found out, I found out that she, uh, I found out that she had, had unfortunately from a family member dealt with some physical abuse. And I looked at her and I said, okay, if we're really going to rebuild, you should get out of that environment because you're not going to be able to change who you are unless you can change where you are because that is not healthy. And she was going to move in with these two girls. Um, and I, I, it might've been two girls and a guy or one of their boyfriends or something. And that becomes an even more toxic environment because we find out one of the girls is trying to be a porn star or something insane. So I, I look at my wife and I say, well, look, you, you and Ashley are getting closer. You and Ashley are, are being um, besties and whatever you want to call it. But I said, why, why, don't, if, why don't we let her live with us for a little bit? 
she clearly needs a place to go. She needs good examples. And, and maybe we can be the people that help put her on the right path because where she is right now is very scary. And what we're dealing with is someone who has only known manipulation, is just fresh out of high school, which means she wants gossip. She's addicted to gossip. She wants to be around gossip. And so, so I looked at her and I said, it'd be temporary, but do you want to just stay with us until you get on your feet? And she said, man, if you would have me, I, I, I can't believe that you would offer that to me after what we've gone through. But if, if that's something that I'm allowed to do, I would be so grateful. And I respond to her and I say, but look, like, I'm not, there's not going to be any boys coming over here. I'm going to put you on a curfew. I'm going to make sure that we're, I mean, for all intents and purposes, rehabilitating you down the right path. Cause I don't want, cause I mean, she was hanging out with the wrong crowd, people that she met at the studio, people that were 40 years old, people that were uh, just taking her out to clubs and doing these things and saying really trashy things about her. And I'm just not cool with that. I never told her that they said those things and what they said, but I just knew that if she's going to put down roots and have a foundation and make something great of who she is and can be, she needs to be in the right environment. And so we talked with her parents, but um, I took their whole family out to dinner to tell them, hey, this is what we found out that your daughter was doing. This is the things that she was saying about me, about some of my employees, about other employees, about clients. These are the relationships that she's already stressed. These are the relationships that she's wrecked. And then I began to tell them, if you guys don't get a handle on who you are, she needs to get out of the environment. And I told them that I had, I had offered her a place to stay because she needed a better place to be in. And then I looked very squarely at the person who was responsible for the physical abuse. And I said, if you want to try physical abuse, I'm right here, but that's never going to happen again. And that was something that not necessarily everyone in the family knew what was going on. And so we got her out of that situation and we began to talk. And what I started realizing is she didn't, she didn't really know much about the music industry. She didn't really know much about the relationships. She didn't really know much about what we had gone through to make KMG. So what was she really gossiping about? And what I realized through really talking with her and bonding with her and, and being able to strip down what happened it was my employees who would say something small and then she would magnify it because she just wanted to be a part of the conversation. She, if they're being dramatic, she wanted to be a part of it. So if someone is, is saying stuff and, and they're talking crap, she'd go, oh, well, and, and then this is what he does and this is that and this is that. And, and, and then if someone's talking crap about an employee, she would chime in and say, oh yeah, I, I heard him do this and they said that and they said that about you. So it wasn't necessarily all her fault. What it was is she was being an amplification device. She was someone who was so addicted to the drama and the gossip. Every time it came her way, she wanted to be a part of it. So if whether they're talking about me, the company, a client, anyone, she would just be a part of it and 
start down that very toxic and destructive path. And when I realized that, yes, she has a lot to do with this, and there are some things that that came out of her mouth that I just don't understand why you'd ever say about anybody, especially if you say that they're one of your friends. But what I realized is she just had a sense of longing inside of her to be a part of a group. She had a sense of longing, and that's why she changed so much from when she talked to them versus when she talked to me. She just wanted to be a part of any group that she was standing in front of. She wanted to be a part of any group that she could just feel just a sense of belonging. I mean, she just wanted to be a part of something. And when I put that together and I started really breaking down the things that people said, I realized that granted it was one of the most painful experiences that I have gone through. And it was one of the most tumultuous times in my company's history. I realized that it was one of the best things that ever happened to us because instead of sowing seeds of discord and having all of those things happen behind the scenes. We had this girl who came in straight out of high school, acted like it was high school, but she uncovered almost all of our problems, the interpersonal problems that eventually would have blown up. So through her darkest times, I look back on it now and I think that she may have saved our company. And if she didn't save the company, she definitely fast forwarded us in building a better team. Because when I took a chance on her, she took a chance on me right back. And then when we realized this, oh, and then she's, I, so I started asking, well, why did you say, well, this person said that? Well, this person said that. So we started putting all this, this web of crap together because we understood what people were doing behind the scenes. We understood what people were upset about. We understood all of the negativity that was going on. And we were able to start cleaning house. Because now I knew the way people really felt because it was amplified by a girl who wanted to gossip. She doesn't do that anymore. And I mean, she, she's actually one of the reasons why we don't even allow gossip in our company. If we find out that you're gossiping, you get one warning. If you gossip again, you're fired. Being toxic and having that toxic personality, there's no place for it in a company. But unfortunately, the damage was done for more than a few people. My business partner, unfortunately, had his wife called a few times when Ashley wanted to talk because the business partner wanted me to do certain things in the company that would compromise who we could be and who we were trying to be. And we were what I thought was on a good path. We were on a good business path, but the interpersonal things, obviously, we were still figuring out and rebuilding. And... At one of our rehearsals, because my business partner at the time was my guitar player, we found out that Ashley and my business partner's wife had been talking. And so all of the things that Ashley was saying because the business partner's wife was kind of unhappy with the business arrangement, well, the gossip was f flaring up and doing all these things. And I didn't realize that it had been bubbling beneath the surface for far longer than I realized until I let everyone know in the band and I let everyone know that was a part of everything. This is what Ashley did because we started first with everything that was going on at KMG and then we let the band know. We let my business partner know and my business partner didn't want to have anything to do with it. And he said, you got to get rid of her. 
And I said, I'm not going to do that. And we had a big fight about why I would, why I would trust someone again who was able to do something like that to me. And I just said, dude, I, it's like those three powerful words. I just know. I just know I need to do this. I know I need to have her back. And so I had her back and it started a huge fight with me and my business partner, but it also started a huge fight with Ashley and the business partner's wife because the business partner's wife found out that Ashley had been lying to her. And my business partner was mad that his wife had been lied to. And so he started kind of giving me ultimatums like, well, she needs to go or I need to go. And I said, well, man, I guess we got to figure something out because I'm just not willing to give up on her. I, I, I just know she's instrumental in what we're going to do at KMG. And I just, I cannot give up on her. And I didn't, and I wouldn't. But the problem is, is she had talked so much crap to all my different employees. A lot of my employees took part in it and told other people in the rumor mill and the gossip mill had just started uncontrollably. I mean, this fire was burning very bright. And when everyone found out that she was lying, all of the things that they said to compound the problem, and when they started their gossip rumors, I found out all the things they were saying, but the problem is, is they weren't willing to apologize for them. They weren't willing to own up to them, and they weren't willing to even admit certain things. And so we have this giant problem because I'm fighting with my original employee, realistically, um, Ryan. He had said uh, more than a few hurtful things, and and I mean, I... I I'm a bit like a, a firecracker, and of course I fired back, and I definitely said some things that I probably shouldn't have either when I heard some of the things that he was saying. And so we get into this kind of secret war where we're really, really nice to one another, to our faces, but I'm sure every time he was turning around, he was hearing that I was saying something about him, or I was trying to check in, or trying to figure out what he was doing, and he's probably doing the same thing with me. It was back and forth, back and forth, it was this... Stupid game. And it comes to the fact where I start hearing the rumor, he's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to move. And so I'm asking him, I'm like, dude, you are so important to me. Are you going to move? Are you going to move? Are you going to move? And he says, no, no, no. And recently he had, I can't remember why this was, but he had he had an old cell phone or an old plan or something. And for whatever reason, he owed a bunch of money or something uh, to where I had to step in and put him on my cell plan. And so he was on my cell plan. And because I was so tired of the game and the hearsay and everything that, uh, that was being said behind our backs and the rumors, he had been begging me to go into Verizon and, and get him a new phone. And, and I said, and so he was in session one day and I said, Hey man, can, can I get, uh, can I get your phone? I have to call him from your number. And, um, I got to call him from your number to see if you're eligible or whatever I told him. And I mean, I know this is going to be controversial because people are going to say, well, it's an invasion of privacy and you're an asshole and you're a dick and whatever. I mean, it is what it is. And I'm sorry, but I just went through his phone. I looked at all of his text messages and I found out that he was lying to me. I found out that he was moving and I found out 
all of the things that he was texting other people about me. And I found out just how bad our relationship was. And when he got out of session, I confronted him. And rightfully so, or maybe not rightfully so, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. But he was really mad I went through his phone. I'm pretty sure he called me a bee and said I was a girl and I was a jealous girlfriend and all these things. But at least now as a business owner, I knew that someone was making moves against me who was in my organization. And I needed to divert my resources and I needed to develop someone else and I needed to stop trying to fix whatever we had. And I can't help but think that if maybe Ashley didn't come along and the rumors hadn't started and he didn't decide to talk crap and I didn't compound the problem, maybe he'd still be with me today. Who knows? But at the end of the day, we went our separate ways and Ryan left and he's doing his thing now. And I certainly wish him the best. And I'm always going to be grateful for who he was at the beginning and the infancy of my company. Even though we had many immature times, looking back on it with a fresh set of eyes and obviously hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, I've got a lot of love for him and, and I really do wish him all the success in the world, but we just grew apart. We're playing out of different handbooks. And one of the big reasons still to this day, I think that happened between us is I kept reading. I kept seeking knowledge. I went through audiobooks and I kept getting better and I kept trying to be a better leader and I kept adjusting and I kept changing and I kept pivoting. And day in and day out, I mean, he got to be a pretty dang good engineer, but he didn't necessarily change anything else. And when he remained an employee, and, and yes, he was a very important one, but at the end of the day, he was just an employee. He never transcended to try to break through that. And I wanted him as one of my partners. I really did. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like that. If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. And he absolutely was in my plans, but God just had different plans for both of us. And that's okay. And I've obviously, I, I've been able to make peace with it because I was very hurt and upset. I mean, I remember weeping at a Starbucks in front of him when, when we finally had it, just everything was real. And he told me, hey, I'm moving and this is what's going to happen. And I'm leaving. And I remember us saying all of the BS lines of, hey, man, we're going to stay in contact and I wish you the best and let's hug it out and we'll always be friends. And I mean, there was just too much pain and grief and hurt between us. Um, will it ever be mended? I have no idea. But I just, I remember being in so much pain that day because, I mean, he was one of my groomsmen. He was one of the most important people in my life, one of my best friends. And he helped me in many times of need. And it was, it was a hard pill to swallow. But through time and focus and just moving through life, it, it heals all things. And so as I was closing the chapter on Ryan and I was getting rid of all of these employees who they weren't willing to be as strong as Ashley was. Because they were just as guilty 
of the the turmoil that we were thrown into. They were just as guilty of the the talking behind the scenes, and they were just as guilty of this. And and don't get me wrong, when I would hear things like that, I mean, I would partake in it a little bit. I'd be like, oh well, if they want to say this about me, blah 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 blah. So am I completely innocent in the gossip thing? No, I was I was guilty too. But at least I could recognize it, and I even had to have a few hard conversations with people. And I would have to go look them in the eye and say, man, I am an idiot and I am sorry. And I can't believe I said that. Please forgive me. And I mean, I've had more than a few of those. I mean, I I consider myself captain hard conversation now because I deal with things head on and immediately because I never want to fester and brew and stew about things that people may or may not have said. If I hear something, I just go talk to them immediately. And now, if someone has upset me, I go talk to them immediately. I don't sit there and get mad and then matter and then matter until I have invented a bunch of crap in my brain that's not even true. I mean, us as humans, imagination is our most powerful weapon, but it's also the most destructive force. So if you have a problem, just go talk to somebody. But all of those original employees, all of those original people, the just everyone in my life at that point, they were not as strong as Ashley was that day to stand up and say, I made a mistake and I am sorry and I'm going to be better. And you know what? She is. And she has become someone that I think rivals anyone I've ever met. The greatest people that I know. And I would, I would trust her with anything in my entire life because I know who she is. And when she allowed herself to take off that mask of, I need to be a part of the drama or I need to do this or I need to do that. And I need to prove this person wrong. And I need to do just all these emotions that is the kind of the keeping up with the Joneses emotions. And it's the, oh, the me too, the, all of those things. When she was able to become who she actually is, I mean, she's, I think she's surprised herself and I think she surprises everyone every single day, and it's amazing to watch her work. So, as she's living with me, and she has a curfew, and she has all of these things, I mean, she's putting in an incredible amount of time on self-development, and she starts to read, and she has audiobooks, and she's learning, and she's, I mean, she's transforming right in front of me, and it's incredible, and... Through that process of us challenging everyone and being better and holding people accountable and, and, and not letting gossip happen, we start losing people and they start dropping, dropping like flies. And so, we go back on the hunt to get more people. And one of the people who came into my life, and he actually came into my life about a month before the big Ashley reveals. So it's a very weird time. So he sees all this crazy, tumultuous stuff happen to the company. And he goes through finding out that stuff about Ashley. He stands by the company, the band, her, to, right along with me. And he doesn't even really know us. He doesn't know about KMG. He's just literally one of the happiest people that you're ever going to meet. And, and, and again, let's just Let's just replay that saying, the people who stand by you in your hardest times will make you the best. They will give you the best times. And uh, so this person joins the band, goes through an insane experience with us, and stands right 
next to us. And to this day, he is still one of the most instrumental people to KMG. And his name is Mitch Zonnefeld. And he's become one of my very best friends. And I think anyone listening to this podcast probably knows him because you, you can't really throw a stone in any direction without having hitting someone who knows Mitch. Um, but he's one of the most genuine people, happy people. He has so much love in his heart. And it's, it's like he is a magnet for greatness. I mean, he attracts great people. I am not kidding. The... Some of the some of the experiences and the people and the relationships that he has brought my way are it's it's just incredible and it's almost unbelievable. And so he comes into my life, stands in the gap, and just so you know, that's something from back in my church days. Standing in the gap means if you have continuity from A to B, and this is how things should be. This is, this is how things go. This is the status quo. Now, if there's a gap in there, it's the leader's job to go stand in the gap and make the continuity continue. Mitch is one of those people. Ashley is one of those people. If they see a gap in what we are trying to get accomplished, they are the first person to jump in and stand in the gap to really, really make a difference and keep things moving, keep things going strong. Mitch is one of those people. And he does it for the company every single day. He does it for our friendship every single day. We still play music together. And he is one of the greatest spirits, I think, on the entire earth. And I defy you to meet him, talk with him, and not just completely agree with me. And so through all of this insane, crazy stuff with Ryan getting ready to leave and he's on his way out and... Jeff is still also, Jeff is still in there hanging with me. Chase is in there hanging with me, going strong. And both of those guys still are, are with me to this, this day. And I know that this is a little bit like a thank you podcast, but you've got to realize I'm so thankful for these particular people in my life because I gave them either personally or from an experience standpoint, I gave them so many reasons to leave. I gave them so many reasons to give up on me and they never did. And I will never, ever forget that. And because of that, I'm always, always going to be there for them in any capacity they need me to be. But we're realistically getting a new team. It's all, it's all building again. Everything is rearranging. Everything's new. We're trying to find good people. We're trying to do all of these things. And so Mitch is around more. He's not necessarily working for KMG, but we're playing a lot of music together. And so we end up needing a keyboard player. And he says, well, I think I could find one. And he brings two in. And we play, I think we played a couple songs with one of them. And I mean, they were there at the same time auditioning. And then we played a couple songs with the next one. And I mean, they were both good players, but I mean, whatever. Just, I don't know. I don't, didn't really get the vibes, you know? And so I asked Mitch, go ahead and just, let's do one more practice. Let's just see if we can find someone where we get a bit more uh, mojo going. We got to get, we got to get the vibes right. The chemistry has to be right. If we've learned one thing with people in our life, the chemistry has to be right. And so he brings in this guy named Zach Markle and Zach Markle, just so you know, he looks like Thor. Um, and I actually call him Thor. So I might've already said that in a podcast. So if I'm ever talking about Thor, it's this guy, Zach Markle, who has become, yes, another one of the hugely pivotal people 
in my life. And he is someone who has an extremely strong character, uh, a great sense of leadership, and uh, just insanely smart. And we became great friends. And uh, he was a mover at the time. And it seemed like every time this guy would go do a job, he would smash one of his fingers. <laughs> and so he's our piano player. And he'd always say, ah, my thumb hurts. My this hurts. My that hurts. I mean, he still crushed the piano. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't compromising him. But I was just like, man, like, are you ever going to not smash your fingers? It's kind of a reoccurring joke now. But uh, we... We were able to have this bond start happening, and I think there's something that happens from a chemistry standpoint when you're able to be great friends, and you're able to have this great relationship, and you're also able to bring music into it. Because if you can bond on the music level and the friendship level, there's something really deep that happens. And then all of a sudden, we started bonding on the business level. So we had these three areas that are so important to our life, and we're bonding like there's no tomorrow and things are going great. Things are awesome because Thor steps in and he can help me do a lot of great leader things. And, and I mean, he's just a whiz kid at learning engineering. He had a lot of experience on, uh, what was it? It, Cubase. He had a lot of experience on Cubase. And so we put him in front of Pro Tools. I mean, he starts mastering the thing like in in a few hours. And so we start having him be a a member of the team. And he ends up, he's like, all right, you know what? I don't want to move boxes anymore. I'm going to do music. I'm great at music. Music is my passion, following my dreams. So he joins the team. He steps in in the leadership role and he steps in in an engineer role and he steps in in doing project role. I mean, he's like, like realistically having another me there, if, he, if that makes sense. So we, we're really bolstering our, our uh, employees and what our services and what we're able to give to people. And again, so we start making money. The business starts going great. Uh, Chase stuck with me and, and Jeff stuck with me. And so now we have these new people who are great attitudes and everyone's doing these amazing things. Like things are going well. Things are, are, are picking up. And so we, we have three studios at this time and they're booked out all the time and we're having a, a great time and we're getting excited. We're getting excited. Now, what happens when you're in business and things are just going awesome? The world kicks you in the balls. And so, just when we were doing great, and we had finished Everest, we'd spent all the money on Everest, everything's awesome. I'm telling you, I got the right people. I got the right team. I've got the right gear. I've got clients. My phone's ringing off the hooks. Everything, everything is awesome. I mean, okay, everyone was thinking it. I just had to sing it. If you don't know what I just sang, watch the Lego movie. It's awesome. So, everything's great. Everything's cool. And then my landlord comes to me and he says, all right, dude, I need you. And this is the same landlord who five years earlier took a chance on me. This is the same landlord who said, man, I know uh, I'm probably going to regret this, but uh, go ahead. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lock arms with you and, and I'm going to allow you to rent this space. And, And by this time I had taken half of the top floor and half of the bottom floor on opposing sides of the building. So everyone's running between them. So, I mean, we're making it extraordinarily busy. We have over 1200 clients. And so the parking lot is always full. People are out there listening to music. People are in front of doors smoking and stuff. So I understand kind of where he's coming from, but not how he says it. And he looks at me and he says, all right, Greg, I'm sorry to do this to you. And we, 
just keep in mind, we spent every penny we had, all of the investment that we got from that original uh, business partner. We finally finished the studio. It was done. Everything is flushed out. Everything's good. We got all the gear. Everything is great. And so my landlord, he pulls me in to the office. He pulls me into the office and he says, do you know where you work? Do you know where you work? Do you know where you are? Do you know where you operate? And I said, yeah, I mean, I've been writing the address for five years, dude. Of course I do. What are you talking about? And he said, well, I got to be honest with you. I just don't appreciate the demographic that you bring to this area. This is Greenwood Village and the other tenants don't appreciate it either. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought he was talking about musicians. When he said demographic, in my mind, I thought musicians. I'm like, yeah, we are kind of loud, and maybe we're not always on time, and there's a lot of us, and, and, and I mean, we're just always trying to have fun, and we're these eccentric people running around. I had no idea that he was talking about race. Now, he'll never admit that he said that because following up, I said, dude, you, when I realized I made the connection, I said, dude, you cannot evict me because I have black clients. That is ridiculous. That's racist. And I will fight this. I also had to fight it because I didn't have any money. I can't, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I spent every dime I had on my company. Everything is in my company right now. We're gearing up to have a great year, but we haven't had it yet. And I said, I can't move. I can't relocate. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I can't be down for that long. It takes a long time to build a studio. It took me a year, over a year to build Everest, which was my best studio at the time. And he said, okay, Greg, I understand you're emotionally charged. And he goes, I, I didn't mean to say that thing about the demographics, but what I'm coming from is we don't, we, you got it right the first time. We don't like the musicians. We don't like the fact that people are smoking out there. We don't like the fact that there's all of these people taking up all of the parking spots. None, none of my clients can come here. I said, okay, give me two weeks. Let me clean it up. We'll push our hours to where maybe we can come in at five and, and, and you can operate and we'll, I, I'll, I'll do anything. Just please, please let me stay. Let me stay. And he says, okay, Greg, you have 14 days to clean up your act. And I thought I did a great job. We pushed our hours back to where we were starting at five after everyone uh, was going home for the day. And um, I was making sure I was cleaning up the cigarette butts outside and I was telling people to turn it down and I was telling people to, to park down the street. And, and I, was, I was all, it was everything that I could do, everything. But we, like, we were great. We did a good job. We did. So I meet with him. Uh, 14 days later, I meet with him. I'm, and I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. To be honest with you, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And uh, I walk into his office. He looks at me and he says, he, he slams down these things. Because this guy, he, it's almost like he was bipolar. Because sometimes it seemed like he was really my friend. And sometimes it seemed like he was like trying to crush me. I never really understand that. Um, but he slams down eviction papers. And he said, I filed them when, when you left the first time. You have 15 days left. You're, you're getting out of here. You're done. And I said, dude, you're, you're crushing me. Like you're going to put me out of business, man. I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't come back from this, dude. Like, why would you do this? Why, why would you do this? 
And then just then, the building begins to shake. The building begins to shake and people start running through the halls and everything. I hear sirens going off and I don't know what's going on. And so I run out into the hallway. We table that conversation, obviously, and my employees are running down. They're running everywhere and they're saying, the studio's on fire. Things are blowing up. We don't know what's going on. This has been the Final Percent Podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you listening to my life story. I mean, this is is only a small chapter realistically because we're dealing with only seven years of time from when I left Arizona and all the way to when I came to Boulder, Colorado. My name is Greg Kimball. This is my story. This is uh, the mini series inside of my podcast called The Homeless Millionaire. And so we're having fun. As always, I appreciate you and thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Let's find out what in the heck made all of my gear explode and catch on fire.